0: And welcome to Grazia Life Advice, Grazia's podcast. I'm Rhiannon, and each week I'll be interviewing women worth listening to and getting them to pass on the six best pieces of advice they've ever been given, and the worst piece too. Our guest this week is award winning broadcaster Michelle Hussein, who you'll know from a range of BBC News shows from today to BBC News at six michelle has just released a book called the skills from first job to dream job what every woman needs to know the book is a great mix of practical career advice michelle's own experiences and interviews with experts so when we met her at new broadcasting house she had loads of brilliant advice at her fingertips. she was fantastic to talk to so over to michelle I'm here with Michelle at BBC. How are you today? Very well, thanks Rhiannon. How are you? Brilliant. I'm excited to hear all of your best advice, but we're talking to you today because you've got this new book out called The Skills. So it's, it's been everywhere, I feel like, but if people haven't heard of it yet, tell me what it's about. It's, the subtitle is From First Job to
1: Dream Job, What Every Woman Wants to Know. And I really wanted to answer some of the questions that I've been asked over the years about whether I get nervous and how I do what I do. And I guess I was speaking to the kind of young person, often a teenage girl, sometimes a teenage boy, who said to me in schools, you know, um, how, how do you cope when the pressure's on and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I, I based it around the skills that are to do with my working life um, speech voice body language preparation for big moments that kind of thing because the more I thought about them the more I thought that actually they're relevant to putting yourself forward and mm. being effective and communicating well in any line of work or at any stage of life
0: yeah and it's a bit. It kind of is about you as well. It's not. It's part memoir. It's kind of a bit of both, which I think is nice. It, it. It's. I
1: think it's ended up in a good place. But if someone had said to me at the beginning that it was going to end up being as personal as it has, I think I would have been a bit mm. apprehensive. Yeah. But you know, invariably, when you. Put forward the things that work for you, you explain why, and you should be honest about the things that have gone wrong for you as well Mm. as those that have gone right for you along the way. So it has been more personal than I imagined at the start.
0: Brilliant. Well, you've got your book launched tonight, so we can't keep you. So we're going to start with your first piece of advice, which comes from your father. Um, and you say he always told you to aim high. Talk, Tell me about that. Yes, he always used to say aim high because if you miss
1: what you're aiming for, you'll still end up in mm. a good place. And I like that for many reasons. Well, as a child, I found it really difficult because, you know, I was always wondering whether what I was doing was good enough yeah. for my dad. But I like the, uh, I think it's a really good way of, making someone just lift their eyes up to a slightly higher horizon than they might otherwise have done. And and the and the sort of, you know, if it doesn't, it's not telling someone that aim high and you'll definitely get what mm-hmm. you where you're going to go. It's saying aim high, you may or may not get there. But I like that. I like also the aspect, the slight sort of security blanket aspect of it, that if you don't get to what you're aiming for, you'll still end up in a good enough place. Because mm. I always felt that that gave me a degree of comfort. It sort of cushioned the discomfort of aiming high because I felt it was it was just worth it because i 'd end up with a better result than I might otherwise have uh, have had, so I think there's there's just something about it that I felt isn't too frightening because yeah. otherwise if people are saying you know shoot for the stars it's just like really yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like not everyone wants to so I feel it's a way of Uh, telling someone that they can set their ambition at the level they want, but Mm. just to lift their eyes, you know, slightly higher than they might naturally have done.
0: Yeah. And that nothing can go wrong if you just try your best, really, can it? Exactly. And just to have the courage to do that. You've kind of added here, uh, when you were speaking to me before the show about this advice, that you don't have to do it all of the time for everything.
1: Yes. And I think that's really important because, you know, it's an exhausting life is an exhausting Mm. process in in general. And I think it's really, um, you you don't want to pass on the kind of advice that means everyone's running around like headless chickens. So I think it's, uh, you know you you have to judge uh, what is worth aiming for at any given moment so you know at this point of time i'm the working mother of three children i mean i really can't um i can't operate at a hundred percent capacity mm. on every single front in my life but i'm going to make judgments you know one kid's coming up to an exam i'm going to you know just like focus on that a bit mm-hmm. more or you know something big's coming up in my own working life so i think there are all sorts of judgments to be made along the way it's not a recipe for you know going around you know mm. Just uh, running yourself completely, completely ragged. It's about. It, it, it's also about deciding what is really worth aiming for, um, and aiming high when you do that. And there are plenty of other aspects of life or times in your life where it's perfectly fine to coast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's nice I like that bit of the advice it's perfectly fun sometimes (laughs) Sometimes. Uh, your second piece of advice is from your mother so one from your father next from your mother and it's about being kind to yourself which is similar to what you're kind of touching on there yes exactly I think they very much go together and it's
1: probably the classic gender divide there's my father telling me to aim high and there's my mother telling (laughs) me to be kind to myself but I think certainly in in my case um, you know I was in in my 20s I I mean, I suppose I've remained quite driven throughout my life because I've always had this sense of I've got one life to live and mm-hmm. the world's not perfect. And there are lots of things that I would rather were different. But what am I going to do about it? And I think um, that sort of drive or desire to do my best um, has at times meant that um, uh, that I've just done too much. Mm. And I think my mother's be kind to yourself advice has been really important to me, you know, especially in that period in my 30s with uh, you know keeping a, a professional life on the road and having three children in my case in a very short period yeah. of time because I had one child and then I had twins and you know there were times where um the best thing I could possibly do or the thing I really dreamed of was to go to bed at eight thirty at night mm-hmm. and that was great and I thought hers was the advice it made me think you know um it's fine I don't have to have um a home cooked meal on the table, it's fine for everyone to have fish fingers. And it's also fine to think that, you know, I don't have to, um, you know, stay up reading the next sort of important thing I have to read. I can also just dive into bed at 8.30 in the evening. Mm. um, Because, you know, my sleep is really, really important. Um, So I think that um, I think this piece of advice means something to me, because by nature, I'm the kind of person who, I like to push myself, but that can easily go too far. And it's mm-hmm. a reminder to me to just put the brakes on as well.
0: Mm. We had a piece in the magazine recently by a lady who termed it putting on your oxygen mask before putting on your children's mm. oxygen mask in the sense that you can't do anybody any good unless you are performing as yes, best you can. Absolutely. It absolutely. You know, if I... Um, Yeah, if I if if
1: if I let myself get totally run down and, uh, you know, I end up on a downhill spiral, I'm not doing myself any favours. I'm certainly not doing my family any favours. So, Mm. you know, you have to take a holistic view of you and your family. It's you know, it's it's not a case of of um, of running yourself down so that everyone Mm. else is, you know, cushioned from everything.
0: When in your life have you felt that the most that you were kind of on too many cylinders and you had to step back?
1: I think probably, when I went back to work after having my twins, they were mm. six months old, and my elder son was uh was around um two wow. two and a half then and uh, that was a that was a really intense period. I mean, don't get me wrong in many ways, I was really happy to go back to to work because in 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 you know work was mm. a lot more predictable <laughs> than you know my home life yeah. with, you know three very three very young children so um you know I maybe there was also there was probably an element of I love my work more than more than ever at that particular point in time um but I think that was the period where I really was juggling many balls, and I think I mm. was still sort of probably. I probably had a, a, a real image of perfection in my head that was not really not helpful, and mm. I think over the years that desire for perfection has been knocked out of me, and I think it was the, one of the best things that ever happened to me.
0: Yeah, quite freeing when you realise you don't yeah. have to be like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Good enough is fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> your
1: third piece of advice is from your uncle.
0: And it's about priorities.
1: Yes, I, I have an uncle I'm very close to. He lives in Pakistan and he, you know, from a very young age, I remember him saying, life is all about priorities. You just have to work out what your priorities are. Mm. And it it sounds obvious on one level, but I feel like um, it is that sort of ranking that we all need to do. And um, it's really the only way to for most of us to manage our lives. So we're doing a lot of this unconsciously Mm -hmm. sometimes I think you need to be more conscious about it there's an element in it that I struggle with which is that it's a bit harsh because invariably as you go through this ranking process you're going to put you know your children your immediate family you know your um, your second cousin who Mm. you don't see that often you know is probably going to go further down the list and so there's an element of it that's a bit harsh but I feel like it really has helped me at 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 important moments, you know when my father got very ill, I remember saying it was obvious that the most important thing I had to do was to be around for him and my mother mm. and I said to my children there's going to be a you know I'm not going to be here after school very much in the next few weeks because I have to be with your grandparents and um and they and they understood mm. um it was a particular intense point of in time, so in those kind of moments, it becomes very obvious what your priorities are, but I think in other um I think all of us. We need some kind of mental checklist, even to deal with the really mundane stuff that can come our way. I find I'm, you know, I invariably get asked to do lots of things that are really, really interesting, but I have mm-hmm. to sit down and work out really realistically yeah. what I can do. And I've learned through bitter experience that there's no point thinking, oh, yeah, that'll be fine. I'll put it in the diary for six months' time. By that time, I'll be fine with doing all those things within a few <laughs> days of each other. And then those days are upon you, and you think, Why did I ever say yes to all of this? I should have, you know, been much, much more cold blooded at the time Mm. that at the time these requests came in. Um, So I think whether it's about the big life moments or whether it's about, you know, the actual juggling of our diaries, I think um, we have to have that kind of mental checklist or filter to. To sort out, you know, the mm. urgent, the vital, the, the nice to do and the less important.
0: Yeah. And with the hours that you work, obviously, with your early mornings, where does the social life come for you <laughs> with friends? There's not as much yeah. of the social life um, as I would like. But there's a lot more of
1: the family life mm-hmm. than I think many other working parents have. So I'm around after school, unless I'm travelling, I'm around after school Mm. for my children most of the time. And I think uh, that's a luxury many working parents don't have. And actually, in a way, when it comes to the diary, I think the extreme working hours has sort of helped because it's really obvious to me that I cannot go out the night before mm. I have to get up at three o'clock in the morning. Whereas I think if I had to get up at a more normal time, I'd probably be more likely to burn the candle at both ends mm. because I have those those slightly mad working hours. I'm quite militant about yeah. about what
0: I put into my diary and when when I do what. What's your cut off? What, how, what hours do you kind of keep? I'm always fascinated by I'm, people who work so early. If I'm still awake at nine
1: o'clock at night... On a, the night before, I'm doing the today program. The next morning, then I start to just get into a grump yeah, because you know that's not that's not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, nine p.m. to three in the morning is you know it's it's fine to mm. it's you're functional.
0: Yeah, painful still. I bet though. <laughs> yeah, you feel a bit. I do. I I think
1: when that alarm goes off, essentially, I feel a bit sick.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and
1: that I don't think that's ever going to
0: change. No, no, definitely not. Um, I love this piece of advice because I think it's something specifically. Uh, that women uh, are probably far more, you know, prey to. It's about not downplaying achievements. Yes.
1: Oh, gosh. And I wish I could say that I have fully taken on my own advice Mm -hmm. in this regard. But I know that I still, when I come off air and someone says to me, that was a good interview, I may well say the awful words, do you think so, Mm. in reply to that. (laughs) And I... Uh, Of course, you know, in the book, I say, you must never say, uh, do you think so? You must just say, thank you. I think, you know, for me, it's a habit I'm trying really hard to break, because Mm. I think it's just, it's, I I, I know why I'm doing it. It's because I was brought up to be uh, modest, not to put myself forward to, you know, give credit where credit is due to others and all of that. But I mm. think that whatever the reasons for it, what it, what, what it can end up doing is putting doubt into the other person's mind and also slightly uh, do them a um, slightly it, – it, it, you're not being that – how do I put this – I think what it also does to the other person is slightly rejects the compliment or praise that they have given you. They've said something nice about you. If you say, do you think so? You're actually suggesting that their judgment is not that great. Mm. So I think, I try to now be much more conscious about that because uh, I think that it's important to own your achievements Mm. and uh, not to brush them off. And, And even if you go on to say thank you, I was really helped by and you can give credit to someone else in the process but um, you know I'm I'm just conscious that the more we say things like oh yeah I got lucky or you know I was in the right place at Mm. the right time maybe but chances are you also played a big role in whatever that particular point of success is Mm. and I think you owe it to
0: yourself to acknowledge that in the right way being the kind of person you are as you just laid out there how have you found talking about this book all the time and talking about your achievements when you know as a journalist you're used to being the one behind the story are you comfortable being in the center of attention I'm finding it quite hard being the
1: one who's answering the questions rather mm. than asking them and being the one who's asked about their views rather than just bringing out other people. And because I am by nature quite a self-critical person, I, I'm also finding it quite hard to take my own advice yeah. along the way. So so some of the things I advocate, I realize that when you are yourself on the spot, you know it's hard to remember those those very basic things like just Mm. yeah you know own your successes just just
0: uh, just be proud of what you have achieved because you put in the hard work Mm. that got you to that point. And I think as well as a BBC woman these days you'll find you'll find yourself more at the center of stories you know as success kind of comes so Meghan and Harry doing that interview is it strange finding yourself doing your job but in the center of a conversation? Um, I think that um, I mean I I
1: I'm I am really fortunate in my career because I'm in this incredibly privileged position where low where you know invariably you get asked to do lots of interesting things Mm -hmm. and uh, and in my case some amazing interviews have come my way and with the Meghan and Harry one I mean that was that was really one that that was you know had really focused the mind because there wasn't very much time I mean I found out the night before we did the interview in the afternoon and Mm -hmm. there's that strong sense of this is a one off, I'm going to interview a government minister again, I'm going to interview the prime minister again, mm-hmm. but I'm never going to interview these two people on the day that they announced their yeah. engagement or anything like that again. So it's, um, you know, you think about obviously you think about content, but you think about tone as well. And, and above all, it's just when the clock hits zero, and your time's up, you know, you, you just want to feel that you did the best job you could.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, your fifth piece of advice is actually really practical so it's about if you find yourself in a situation and you and you need to speak to a boss or something how how you should approach that so tell us about that well i i I speak from my own
1: experience and also from what I see a lot of other people do. I think often we dread these moments where we know we have to have a, a conversation where maybe maybe you're asking for a promotion, maybe you're asking for a pay rise, maybe mm. you're asking for a new project or or something's gone wrong and you know you're going to be taken to task for it. And I think sometimes we dread these moments so much that we just don't want to think about them. And what what I think is really valuable is that sitting down often with a you know piece of paper and a pencil ahead of time and just thinking... What are the two or three things that I just need to get across in this Mm. conversation? Whether I'm asked something that elicits them or not, I need to say these things. Because chances are these moments are so stressful. You sit opposite that person, you're going to be nervous, you're going to be worried, you're going to be wondering what they're going to say to Mm. you. If you have nailed down in advance, what are the key messages you need to get across you know, it helps lodge them in the forefront of your mind so that you won't forget in the heat of the moment, which, let's face it, is very easy to do. And also, you just want to make sure that that person leaves the room and they also... You have put Mm. out those two or three things in a clear enough way that when they leave the room and someone says to them, so what did she say? They're going to be able to think, yeah, well, she thinks um, that she's ready to be promoted to such and Mm -hmm. such because of this. Um, And so when you work out those points in advance, also you know, just make them as simple and factual as possible. Um, I'm ready to be promoted because I've done X, Y and Z. Yeah. Rather than, you know, I really believe in Mm. myself, you know, just try not to put emotion, sentiment, and certainly not apology into these things. You Mm -hmm. know, they it's, I often feel that if I'm thinking about it, uh, thinking about almost about myself, as if, from another person's point of view it can be much yeah. easier you might even be able to work this out with someone else's help you know they're usually one or two people that in everyone's workplace that people trust enough or, mm. or maybe it's a partner at home but to say you know what would you how what do you see in me and how can i put them put that forward because often someone else will think Okay, well, you know, you think you're going for something that's a total sidebar to what you do now. But actually, the skills that you have now are really relevant to this. So why don't you put it forward in this kind of way? Mm. So don't be afraid to ask those you trust um, for, you know, how how they see you and try and use what they say
0: Mm. i think that's super practical advice and i just wonder have you honed these kind of things do you get constantly asked for advice you touched on the fact that you speak in schools sometimes is that an important part of what you think you do mentoring people and and passing on this advice
1: yeah i think it's uh, i i do i suppose i this feels very natural to me having this kind of conversation I don't want you know sometimes it can feel really high-handed to say you're giving advice it's like it's mm. as if you think you know everything and you know let me tell you I, I just don't feel that way you know I think I have as many work dilemmas as as anyone else but um, but I've been a journalist for 25 years so there's a certain amount of things I've a certain amount of time I've spent you know in the workplace a certain amount of experience I've got mm. under my belt but I also think that It feels quite natural for me to be having this conversation because I think I'm just the kind of person who who throughout my life has always wanted to know how other people do things. So I've yeah, I always want to know, you know, the behind the scenes stuff, you know, even even on the home front. I it's like I look at other working parents and I'm thinking, you know, how do they organize the meals? Who (laughs) does what in their house? Yeah. So I think it's partly because I'm I'm always in search of of advice myself that it feels quite natural that it's like a circle. Yeah. To pass it on as
0: well. Are you like a massive do you read like kind of self help you know everyone seems to have a theory on life you know are you do you read those kind of books or have you in the past?
1: I I read the odd kind of book like that I think you know because time is time is short Mm. I'm sort of more likely to probably pick up that kind of you know along the way and from people and by you know trying to sort of be a magpie Mm. pick up nuggets of information more likely that than to actually sit down and read through the whole of the self-help book yeah absolutely although I like the Marie Kondo decluttering do you do that? You was, do that do you? Well, I mean, I think I, I, th- I think I, I think I reorganized my socks a bit. Yeah. And it just felt really I good like about it. I like the idea it. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it great? They're great to read,
0: whether you put it into practice or not. Yeah. It felt slightly lighter, you know, just having read it. Yeah, like, the socks look great. I can go to bed now. <laughs> um, and your final piece of uh, best advice is about what to do if something does go wrong.
1: Yes. And I'm really thinking about, I'm thinking about, you know the fairly run of the mill work setbacks i'm not mm. thinking about major you know life changing events or um or awful things that happen to people but i'm thinking about the kinds of things in my case an interview goes wrong for other people a presentation goes wrong um you know i don't know you lose a client you know mm. something uh something like that and i think you can you can feel so self conscious about it in the process of, of, you know, reeling from whatever it is, that you can imagine that everyone in your office is looking at you. And when they see you, the first thing they think literally stamped across your forehead yeah. is, this is the person who got that wrong. This is the person who lost that client, who um, whose presentation was a car crash, who's, you know, all of those kinds of things. And, and then really ask yourself, how much, you know, the person sitting next to you, how much do you dwell on the last thing that they did wrong? Yeah. You know, chances are... You won't be dwelling on their mistakes and nor will mm. they be dwelling on yours. So I think you have to, you know, stop imagining that um, that that your setbacks are the first thing that people think of when they look at you. Mm. And you have to come up with your own process for moving on um, from yours. So something bad happened register what if anything you need to learn from it and then try as hard as you can to focus on something in the future Mm. because you can't let those things that go wrong um, affect you to the extent that you lose your nerve uh, for the next thing um, that you turn to because uh, you're doing yourself a terrible disservice if Mm. you allow yourself to go down that route and I do believe that you know you have you know, things go wrong for all of us in our workplaces. And you can look back and some of them you can look back and think, oh, I could have avoided that. Some of them you won't have been able to avoid. They just happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something similar will happen again. But we have, we have a degree of self-control in, in how we frame those things and, and um, you know, the effect, if any, that they have on us for the future.
0: Yeah. And it's about that initial sting, that feeling when you do something as well, because we've all been there and felt like it was the end of the world. And then a week later, you're like, I can't believe I couldn't sleep a week ago because of this. Exactly. And, you know, that process of getting over something or moving on from
1: it or, you know, putting it to the back of your mind, that will be longer or shorter, depending on what happened. It may be longer or shorter, depending on what kind of personality you are. Mm -hmm. But I think you want to be thinking you know, I I want to get to the place where the things that really aren't worth dwelling on, I can move on fairly quickly. And, you know, when something bigger happens, I will have to give that a bit more thought and Mm. be a bit more reflective over it. But not everything is going to fall into that camp.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We like to finish on a piece of bad advice because people love to hand out advice and it's not always helpful. Um, And I'm interested in this. You said be yourself. Yes, and I want to explain. So I think be yourself is
1: not the most helpful piece of advice, mainly because it's not very detailed. It's (laughs) too simplistic. And uh, I think that... It's not concrete enough Um, because the truth is there are many different versions of ourselves. Mm. I will be different around my children. I will be different speaking to you just now. I will be different if I'm interviewing a cabinet minister Mm -hmm. tomorrow morning in the studio. All of these are aspects of my life. And, And therefore, I don't really understand what being myself means. It's all to do with the context. And therefore, I'm not saying that you should go around in your life, you know, acting through different personas. But I think the There are different versions of ourselves um, and there'll be different versions of ourselves over a period of time as we develop, you know, in authority, in capability. So there are things that I'm prepared to say, um, you know, at work now that I wouldn't have been 10 years ago when I had less authority, I had less experience, I had less knowledge frankly. So I think that, of course, there's still a germ of I'm still the same person that I was Mm. 10 years ago at work or 20 years uh, at work. But I think that, you know, we are dynamic beings. um, And that's the way it has to be. We are constantly absorbing new information, we should be constantly learning and, and Mm. developing our capabilities. And I think, of course, you should maybe more helpful as to say to be true to your values, because that we can, you know, that some of them will be more apparent to us as we age. I mean, I think I've thought a lot about what's important in life after I became a mother. You know, mm. before that, I didn't really have much reason to yeah. <laughs> drill down into what I really want to teach the next generation. So be true to your values, certainly, but just be yourself is, I think, not enough to to provide a, um, to provide a sort of concrete Piece of advice that that's actually going to inform what you do.
0: No, and um, this your book is obviously all about the workplace. I'm interested when you say you had to figure out what it is you want to pass on to the next generation. What is what have you drilled down to with your with your children that you want to pass on and that you think is important?
1: I I think certainly the value of hard work but Mm. but also I'm conscious that the workplace for them is going to be such a different place from when I began so I think actually what I I think what I really want to instill in them is that sense of I'm going to have to learn through life and um, I'm going to have to set my ambition in different ways at different points in life so I think their life is going to be much more about transferable skills Mm. than it is about a job or a career and so I want them to try and um, have enough of an aptitude for learning and a sense of where they might apply one set of knowledge to to something else because I think that's the kind of thing that they're going to need whereas Mm. I was focused on you know a vocation a profession a job and I have worked at only two places in the whole of my life so that um, you know that's that's going to increasingly become
0: a rarity yeah absolutely thank you so much for your time today thank you Rhiannon thank you so much to michelle i just loved meeting her such an inspirational character and really clear really helpful practical advice if you want more of the same her book the skills is out now if you're enjoying the podcast so far please do subscribe rate us review us it just really really helps spread the word we look forward to seeing you next week for more advice from women worth listening to